This is Hard Parking, brought to you by Wright Honda and Wright Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Merry Christmas to all of you. If you notice, I've been kind of dropping some classic episodes. I'm really busy around here. There's a lot of things I still haven't caught up. But for this week, I decided to drop a classic as well. This is the second time that I've had Noah R. Nelson on the show. And many of you are listening to this or you're relatively new to the show. So about Noah, he's a writer, he's a producer. He's done Secrets and Lies, The Oath, Hawaii Five-0, uh, CSI. His dad is Craig T. Nelson. So if you don't know who Craig T. Nelson is, just look him up. Very popular. But Noah is tremendous. And I met Noah through a really dear friend of mine named Catherine. And we built a friendship. And this episode that we did earlier this year was from his trip to Burma for three months last year. And he went over there and thought he was just taking notes and taking photos so he can document and write a movie or a documentary. And he ended up getting caught up in the middle of this war between the rebels, between the freedom fighters and the Burmese army in a very nasty war where he was taking gunfire several times and they were pinned down. And it's just, he came back a different person. But, you know, he also recently joined us on One Drink Wednesday because he's such a good guy. And I wanted to make sure that we ended this year with this episode. You can also find a book that he wrote, a children's book called Chance the Blue-Nosed Reindeer. It's about his dog, Chance, who's no longer with us. And it's a great Christmas holiday book, children's book. You can also buy Chance the Stuffed Animal Dog, which I actually bought. And I'm not giving to my grandkids. It's here in my studio. Anyway... Uh, happy holidays. I hope you all got what you needed for Christmas. You know, it's not about gifts as much as it's about being with people in that holiday spirit. So without further ado, Mr. Noah R. Nelson. <laughs> Noah Nelson, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a long time. This is the first time we're actually on video. Uh, looking good. Like the facial stuff that's going on. How you been? I've been good, man. I've been good. Yeah. You missed it. I actually was growing like a really long, like white beard. And I went back to this kind of half mustachey look and half not mustachey look. Cause I felt like with the beard, unlike you, like it's all white. So it's straight up Papa Smurf. And I'm like, no, I, I tried to upload a black and white, uh, I think selfie. And uh-huh. I looked at it and I go, uh, yeah, no, it's all got to come off. So, but you're looking good, man. Thanks brother. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's a different look for sure. My, my daughter hates it. But I think she enjoys calling me old more often because I got the the white. But yeah, I like it. Kind of helps hide my double chin. So, you kids, you know, we got the same problem here. Every time my wife changes something, she goes, "Well, I go ask me what I think of your husband. Don't ask the kids because they're going to tell you they don't like it because it's not what they're used to." So, how long ago was it when you went to Burma? Let's talk about Burma a little bit because I know that's that's um, man, it's. It seems like it's changed you a little bit just on the social media level. And then maybe we should talk about the writer strike as the writer strike that's going on right now. You know, how is that impacting? seems like every time we talk, something's going on. I think last time it was 2020 when we talked officially. Yeah. I went to Burma last year. Uh, feels like around, it was around this time. I think it was in May. It was at the beginning of May. I think Yeah, anyway, it was around this time. Uh, yeah, it was, it was the beginning of May. Um, and I did two missions with the Free Burma Rangers, David Eubank and his family for the purposes of um, uh, conducting research, boots on the ground research uh, 
about their operations in Burma and his family in particular um, for the purposes of a TV show, developing a TV series. And um, it was, you know, it was, <laughs> it was life changing, you know, um, in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I, <clears throat> David, who's a former major for the Army, Army's elite special forces of Army Rangers, is a pretty fit guy, even for like, I think he's in his late 50s now. And, um, you know, he's just a stud. And he told me to get in shape. He said, be prepared, get in shape. And, you know, I'm a California guy. I feel like I'm in pretty, you know, I felt I was in pretty decent shape, but I stepped up the notch on the, uh, uh, a treadmill, you know, I put it up a couple <laughs> more levels. Went from and, uh, two and a half to four. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That's about yeah. my pace now. Yeah. But, but then I got there and it was like, man, uh, <laughs> it was embarrassing. I didn't know what to expect. I had talked to him, I had conversations with him, but he keeps things pretty close to the vest because of how they get you into Burma and also what's going on over there. And he certainly doesn't want to elude or give any information where his camp is or some of their operations, but it's, um, so I flew into Chiang Mai and then middle of the night, drive, drive, drive for hours. Don't know where you are. And then I can't really talk about it, but they smuggle you in. Right. And, uh, that takes a while and that's an experience. And then you show up in this sort of like place and, you're, you meet Dave and you're taken in a truck and they drive on this like road that is not barely drivable. And then you finally get to this river and then you have to hike and, um, and it's humid and it's the jungle and mm. it's like, it, it's, it's real, man. And, um, so it's about eight miles. So you had to hike about eight miles once you cross this. Yeah. Once you cross the river and then it's eight miles and it's like, it's steep. It's not like eight miles. It's not like an eight mile hike through the jungle. It's like eight miles up mountains, down mountains. It's like, and it's not, it, it's intense. And so I couldn't do it. I quit. <laughs> so you're, so you're telling me that uh, the hill setting that's on the treadmill, it's not going to really prep. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Um, but yeah, I thought I was toast and uh, I was done. And David was looking at me like, Oh boy, you know, if he can't keep up with this, there's no way he can go on the missions. And so I was there in camp for about almost three weeks. And he said to me, he goes, all right, look, here's the deal. If you do what we just did today in the morning and you run it without your pack, and then in the afternoon, you do the same thing with your pack and just walk it. He goes, you do that every day for the next two and a half weeks. He goes, you just might be able to survive. So that's what I did. And ended up barely surviving. <laughs> let me, let me ask you this. Let's go back to when you, when you land there, you said you weren't quite sure, you know, what to expect. You still had to have some kind of an idea. And it sounds like whatever your idea was, this wasn't it. But then when you land, you know, describe the airport. I mean, is it just like a, a one, a three gate thing? Like I, I've never been to like a third world, obviously international airport or maybe not even international. And then what's going through your mind as you get picked up? Yeah, it's 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 not it's not a third world 
airport. You, you fly into, uh, well, I flew into Chiang Mai, uh, Thailand. Oh, that's, um, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I don't know. Thailand. We're thinking about going to Thailand, so maybe I'll find out. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, look, man, I, I'd, I'd seen videos. I heard stories of what was going on in Burma. And I knew what David and the Rangers do. I mean, they provide, um, in addition to providing medical and relief support to the people, displaced people of Burma, they also do rescue missions. And that gets pretty dangerous because there's actual battles and and bullets flying and grenades landing and landmines and, you know, jets strafing. And it's all out war there right now. So that gets dangerous. So I knew that I was warned that that mission, the Karini mission could get pretty loud and dangerous, but I hadn't planned on being a part of any of that, man. I mean, I'm a, sure. I'm a so my thing was, I'm going to go there. I'm going to hike. I'm going to stay back. I'm not going to get involved with any of that. Interview That's- a few people, get a story. Yeah. Take some take pictures and go home. Bar. Yeah. Get to know the family. Yeah. And, um, you know, get get a sense of the place. And that's not what happened at all. I mean, that happened, but I also ended up getting directly involved on multiple occasions with, with stuff. And particularly towards the end of the Karenian mission, we were, um, I was uh, hunkered down with a bunch of the Rangers and the medics and we were taking, they were taking wounded soldiers. They were, uh, the resistance army was launching this assault on a Burma army camp up on this hill. And it was straight out of like a movie from like a Vietnam movie from the seventies, man. It was like, here's the jungle, here's these guys. And you, and I'm watching them and the bullets are going and mortars landing and it's intense. And I'm hunkered down in this little grove of trees and I'm taking video of them bringing guys in who have been wounded. So they've got, you know, they're they're close to death and then they take them and they try to patch them up as much as they can and then they take them to another place which is a second ccp point is what they call it, it's a casualty collection point and there is a transport vehicle where they can be put in the vehicle and then taken to a third ccp where there's actual um like medical staff that can really sew them up and take the time outside of the direct line of fire to administer whatever medical aid they need to to these to these guys and uh, women too. So it's like, it's pretty intense. And so I was hunkered down with these guys and I'm right there on the, near the front line. And next thing I know, there's uh, chaos and people are yelling really loudly. And it was funny because right before that happened, I, I felt something fly right by my ear and I thought it was this a strange Burmese bug. <laughs> But then another one went by and I was like, hmm, that might not be a bug. And then chaos erupted and it turned out we were being ambushed by a battalion of Burma army soldiers and they'd come in behind us and they were firing directly in our position. And so the next thing I know, I'm running out. I've got this all on video, by the way, because uh, I was. How, how scary was this? Because as, as a friend of yours, you know, we've sat at the same table, you know, and had food and. I would imagine anybody who who follows you actively on social media, like we're concerned. Like I, every time you uploaded something, I'm like, shit, it's, no, it's I'm, I'm worried, you know, but I'm not there with you. I felt like I was there with you on a few of those videos. What's going through your head right now? If anything, are you just reacting? Like what's going on? Yeah. I'm rea- I mean, it, it was weird. I've been in a few kind of weird kind of 
uh, things before. So I, the, the sounds uh, were just a lot louder than I experienced. And it was a lot closer and it was a sure. lot more threatening because it was directly at us. And, and uh, I'm, I mean, I'm petrified, man. I'm scared. Sure. And, uh, and it's hard because it's like, we're running and you're being shot at and uh all, all you're thinking all i was thinking about was um getting the hell out of there you know as fast as i could and then i'm recording and i'm thinking i guess also that you know maybe if they find my phone or whatever that at least people will know, <laughs> I don't know where i was what was going on i i don't know uh so i was just recording it plus anyway so we we made it out to uh uh they they chased us out into the open in an open field it was freshly plowed farmland and that really sucked because now we can't run as fast i mean every it's like a bad nightmare you're you're every step you take it just sinks into soft dirt and it just slows your escape it's terrible and and, and you're like right there you're right in the open and you're, you're yeah. in a bottleneck too, because up on the Hill, there's Burma army uh, soldiers that are firing now down at your position and you're being fired at from behind and you have no cover. And that's when Jesus. things got a lot louder in, in the video. You can hear it. It's just uh machine gun RPGs. Um, and then that's what happened. A, a, uh, a grenade went past me and hit landed. And I turn around and I look and I just see the uh, cloud of dust and I keep running and there's shouts and it's like, it's nuts. It's chaos. And we get to, a, I got to a, finally got to Grove of Trees and I could look back and one of our guys, the lead medic actually, his name's Silverhorn, had been hit and he was on the ground. And I was with David, uh, who's again, he's like 57 years old. He's got two bad knees, two torn hamstrings. And he looks back and he sees Silverhorn and then he sees a couple of our guys trying to drag him off of the field. Cause there's, we're still taking fire. Sure. And, and I just see this guy just start running back and he waves and he's like to a couple of Rangers. He's like, guys, come with me, help me. And they're like, no. <laughs> we're going to live, man. And, uh, yeah, I was standing there with my camera and I'm recording all this. <laughs> it was terrible, man. I was standing there. I'm like, well, at least I don't have to go back there. I mean, what am I going to do? You know? Right. And so this kind of weird tap on my, on my shoulder from, from, from what I can only explain is God saying, Hey dude, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, I'm not going back there, Lord, I'll die. <laughs> And he, and I felt, I felt God say, I felt, I didn't hear this, but I felt him say, yeah, you might die, but, but do you love these people? And I'm like, yeah. So I was like, then choose to love over fear. And so, mm. uh, I started walking back and I went back and, and, uh, and, um, they how had far, how far were you and the other Rangers from where the medic had fallen? I want to say about 50 yards, maybe. 50, oh. 50, 70 yards, but the, the, they were all the, 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 the Burma army soldiers were all in this, uh, tree cover, uh, firing 
So it's like, it's, it's a weird sensation going back toward the thing that can kill you and getting mm-hmm. closer to it. <laughs> you know, it's like everything in your body says, what are you doing, dude? You know, but anyway, so I went back and Dave, they were trying to pull him out. And Dave said, looked at me, he goes, we need your help, dude. And he gave me a, an ankle to hold because we're hammock carrying him out. And then David drew his weapon and provided cover fire, suppressed the fire coming our way so that we could get him out a little bit further. So that he was bleeding out. That was the other thing. He was bleeding out and he's a medic. And so he's communicating with uh, one of the Rangers who, who could understand him that if we didn't patch him up there, right then and there, he was going to bleed out and die. And it was being communicated back to him that if we don't get you out of here, we're all going to die. We're all going to get smoked. Um, but David felt like he had suppressed, he could, he engage, who was one of the army guys, army volunteers who was with us, uh, could suppress uh, gunfire for the time being. And then they patched him up and uh, we had like two minutes. He asked me to keep time and he goes, you guys have two minutes and then gauge who's a trained army medic, patch him up best he could to stop the bleeding long enough to get him to a truck. That was the other thing. So then David turned to me and he said, Noah, you run security, which means you stay right here. Don't follow us and, and look back. And uh, if you see any Burma, Burma army soldiers, uh, let us know. Gage says, should we give him a gun? David goes, no, I think he's good. He's got this. And then they took off with Silverhorn to the truck that was waiting that I really wanted to run with them too. Uh, way so you out got your camera though. Yeah. My camera's now Jesus. off it's in my pocket. Right. And there was this young kid who's 18 must be, I, I, I imagine he's like 18, 19 who comes running over to me and he speaks broken English and he goes, I'll cover you. And he's got a oh, rifle. Man. And uh, so we sat there and looked at the tree line. Um, but here's the other funny thing is that I had prescription sunglasses because I'm nearsighted. So when David and, and the funny thing was my prescription sunglasses, I lost just an hour ago when we were diving for cover from mortar, I, I dove down, they came off and, and coming back up and I started moving forward and I got to the grove of trees where I was hunkered down with the, the team and I realized, oh, I lost. And I, I thought my, I'll, I know where I lost them. So when we go back, I'll just grab them. But then we were ambushed, we were chased out. So when I was running security and sitting, basically looking back, I realized I, I might not That's be. Shit. <laughs> I'm like the worst, worst person to ask to do this. Anyway, they finally got him to the truck so we could leave our security position. And then we ran through corn stalks that were about as high as my knees and had been planted over just like two months ago, I was told it was just all poppy. They were growing poppy for heroin production there. Um, but now it was corn and the cool, the weird thing, man, it was really strange running through this field was you could hear the bullets whistling through the uh, leaves on the stalk of corns, but it, it made this weird whist. I, at first I didn't know what it was, but it made this really cool whistling noise hmm. and I realized what it was. And it was a, you know, horrific. <laughs> now, did you, is that the video you had uploaded 
I, I, I trying yeah, to remember. I, I thought you had uploaded a video of someone getting kind of hit. Yeah, I uploaded it for a bit and then I took it down. Okay. Uh, I plan on uh, releasing it along with some other stuff uh, later. How long were you totally, how long were you over there the whole time? Two and a half months. So the first month we ran uh, a mission in Burma, which we went to a bunch of villages delivering medical and, and relief. And, and that was really cool. And it's just all day hiking over mountains. It's like, it's something straight out of Lord of the Rings. It's it's just absolutely breathtaking. Wow. Country. It's third wow. world seeing, you know, water buffalo grazing and these giant like bamboo stocks that are as thick as like redwood trees. It's like, it's, it's like, it's like Jumanji. It, it's just, it's spectacular. And, and you, you arrive in these villages after hiking all day long and these remote villages that are in the middle of these rice fields and, you know, they're bamboo huts on stilts and no running water and, or electricity for that matter. And people just so happy to see you and see that you care. And, and it's awesome and amazing. And, you know, but there's always this looming threat of Burma army in the area. And, um, I was slowly sort of introduced to that through the first mission. There was a moment where we almost got pinned down and smoked and we had to end up running through this field of landmines. That was a lot of fun. And then the Burma army had come back in a position where we couldn't go back the same way we came in. So we had to go back a separate way, but that required us hiking all day and into the almost early evening. And it was, that was brutal. Um, and we did that for like two days straight. And, uh, and then the Karani mission was more, it was more violent. It was louder. It was more intense. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty, um, and it's, 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 it's bizarre, man, because you, like, I felt, like I felt, um, I felt an immense amount of responsibility when I left. Because to tell the story, yeah, yeah, and not just about David and his family, but about what's happening to these people over there. Um, they're literally just fighting to survive, you know, and they got nothing. They've got guns that have been handed down to them that sometimes break, you know, and. If you imagine being like, let's say, 14 years old or 13 year old boy, and your father um, gets his leg blown off from stepping on a landmine that the Burma Army planted outside of a church, and and you're forced to watch your mom being raped by a couple of these guys, and then they mm. you know, burn her alive in the fire pit in front of you, and you are you want to do something. And, um, so you join up with this resistance army and, but you're given a gun that can barely work and, you know, it's, and you're afforded little training and it's, it's pretty brutal over there. And, um, I do think that they're gaining momentum and I do think that they're eventually going to win, um, their freedom and their democracy for that country. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of blood that's been shed. I mean, they've been in a civil war for over 70 years. So it's, you know, Ukraine has nothing on them, nothing. Right. On them. And they don't have any assistance really. Separate How apart big from- is Burma as far as population? You know, this, I mean, this is a generational 
resistance. This is generational conflict. You know, like what's generational, yeah. What's it gonna take? Like who's who's the aide there? Who's the number one enemy? Obviously the army, but you know, where are they getting their stuff and like what's it gonna China, take? They're getting their stuff from China and Russia. So Burma sits no wonder their shit barely works. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Burma, <laughs> Burma army is getting funded mostly mm. from China. And then they buy stuff from Russia. So the, the fighter jets that they have are all old Russian MiGs, I believe. But yeah, it's uh, it, 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 part of the problem is that, okay, so Burma's right on the doorstep of China. So us sending aid over there is picking a fight that we probably don't want. Number one, we're right. already engaged with Ukraine, which is tenuous right now anyway. So um, there's that. There's also no real natural resource to compel us to, to get involved over there. There's like one oil pipeline. It goes directly into China. So, and it's between India, Thailand, China, and then there's a couple other countries there. I forget what they are. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's problematic. Like the, the only way I think they're going to win their democracy is, is in freedom is by doing what they're doing, which is fighting back, uniting, um, figuring out how to unite, how to fight back. Um, what's at stake, which a lot of them know what's at stake. Um, it's, but it's brutal, dude. It, 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 it's as brutal as you can imagine. I still, I get updates weekly and I get photos Six of the guys that I was with last year are dead. I saw you had you had updated at least once about one of them. Yeah, and you know I get pictures of you know fire pits with limbs that haven't completely burned. You know stuff like uh, that. Kids, you know it's it's um it, it really it's it's hard because it, it it puts me on a place of out, outrage and anger but also fuels my desire to tell us, tell a story. And are these coming with these images? I, 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 I mean, you're, the, the experience sounds terrible. sounds brutal. I mean, whether you're running from the tree line without your glasses or you're running from getting, you know, you're worried about getting shot in the back. And then now you have to worry about where you're stepping to. Like, I can't even imagine the terror. So when you get back, I mean, how, how did that, it's, I, 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 would, I would imagine that would, would have changed you quite a bit. Um, and it sounds like it has, but you know, when you set foot, what was that first step? Or when you look out the window and you're getting ready to land, I assume, I don't know where you landed in the U S whether it's LAX or something, you know, what was that first step? Like, what was that thought? What was your initial thought as soon as you landed or saw America? <laughs> That's a great question, man. It's funny. Um, well, as I explained to my dad, it, there's something that, I mean, you know this about me. I'm a, I'm a spiritual dude. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like there was some surgery that was done on me as a man and done spiritually. So I, I had this experience and um, it kind of, the culture there is one of the things of the culture there is uh, they live every day as though it's their last because it could be. So like, as one of them put it to me this way, he said, our lives are like water on a leaf. You never know which way it's going to fall. Oh man. And it's a concept that you hear not 
being able to understand that at all, right? Because I'm from LA, I'm a writer. I plan as much as I possibly can, like Christmas, Thanksgiving. It's like, these guys aren't thinking about that at all. Um, but after being there for two and a half months and after being in a lot of really uh, scary places with them and experiencing the joy on their faces and hearing their stories and basically just falling in love with these, these guys, you know, um, and these people. Um, and then being in this incredible, difficult, scary, petrifying situation where you're given an opportunity to engage in a similar way that they engage, which is letting go really helps you crystallize what's important. And so getting back to your question, when I was touching down in LA, I just didn't feel like it was me anymore. who was touching down. Right. Different guy. Totally different guy. And it was weird because I could not wait to leave, dude. <laughs> I was so happy. Oh. I was happy to get out of there. I was counting down the days, man. I missed my family. I missed cheeseburgers, you know? Um, right. I miss not looking over my shoulder. I, I miss like the the freedom of just being able to do, get in my truck and go anywhere, you know, um, and do anything I wanted. So, but that said, when I came home, as soon as I was walking through uh, the airport uh, at LAX, part of me just wanted to go back. Just like a movie, man. Um, or so are you looking around at people like... <sighs> You have these, these, like these people have no idea. Like, how would they, except for your project that you're working on? Yeah. But the, you know, we we get so tied up on things. You know, our experiences are all relative on what's important to us and what's what's a bad day, right? If I get a flat tire, it's the worst day of my life. Or it, is it? it? You just came from you know two and a half months of just water rolling off leaves. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it, it it's it definitely changes your perspective about things for sure, you know, and also people and about you know just being grateful for what you have and being grateful for the day and you know I, it, it made me want to get out of Hollywood more than ever. You know, I, it made me you know where I was sort of like there's a lot of great things that I love about LA and, and Hollywood and this town. Right. And some of my best friends that I have some incredible relationships that I've made have been because of this business, but you know, I, I could care less, you know, honestly, um, about this project or that project. I mean, I care, you know, sure. I get it. Um, yeah. But, but all the stuff that goes along with it, it's like, I just don't, I just don't care. I care less. I cared. I didn't care so much before I left. I care even less after I came home. And like I said, I, you know, I, I still miss it. I miss it. I miss being over there. I just talked to David actually two days ago and he was saying, yeah, we've got to get you out back out here, brother. He goes, you're a celebrity here now, you know, and got your photo up on the wall, photos of you up on the wall now. And um, he goes, you know, if they, when they do this movie, you're going to have to come back out here. You know that, right. You know, and he's about to go back in, but it's the, the action has picked up over there and it, it's gotten worse. Um, it was bad when I was there. It, was, it, it gotten mm -hmm. gotten worse when I was there, but it, it's picked up even more so now. So. Yeah, I can imagine that conversation. It's like, uh, 
went to Key West and had a great time. Can't wait to get you back out here. Yeah, I'm I'm down. Let's pick a date versus uh, Burma and everything you went through. It was like, uh, we got to get you back out here. And it's like, yeah, I, I want to go. Part of me wants to go and part of me never wants to go again. And it's even worse now, I'd imagine. So like you said, man, that's tough. So how's the Free Burma Project going? It's going. It's, it's, um, it's with a company called Kingdom. And the person behind Kingdom... One of the people behind Kingdoms named John Irwin. He um, has been producing a lot of movies uh, in the, you might say, faith-based arena. Uh, Jesus Revolution is one of the latest ones. It's done really, really well. He's a really great filmmaker. He's director, I believe writer too. Um, and so, you know, they were the ones who financed my trip over there, basically. And, okay. and picked, up, picked up the project to develop as a series. They've been talking about developing it as both a movie and a series now, which is exciting. Um, but we'll see if it happens. I don't know. We're waiting. We're in a writer strike right now, so I can't really. We can't do much um, right. for that to resolve itself. But you know, we'll see. It's in God's hands. It's like water on a leaf. Don't know which way it's going to fall, man. Will there be maybe a Noah Nelson? Um produced documentary because i would imagine the tv show would be very loosely based on or very strictly based on what you've done and then of course the movie is a movie or is that you know it's funny because it's one of the hardest things to crack about this is how do you what's your way into this story right. it's it's so unique of an experience and it's such a unique family i mean i haven't even talked about david and his wife karen and their three kids who are part of the rescue missions and, and who they, they were part of uh, a lot of operations in Iraq when ISIS had taken over Mosul and the stories of what they did there and the hundreds of lives that they rescued, the kids included, it's like the Swiss family Robinson, only they're real, you know, and um, it, it's such a unique story. It's hard to just tell it that way there, there's a way into it. And I think, the way into it is someone like me who, you know, in a, some ways an everyday Joe who just goes over there and finds himself in the same situation to, to do one thing, you know, to write an article, to tell a story and then get swept up and into um, a bunch of guys who are, you know, some of them are military volunteers, you know, from different, a Marine here, army guy here right and ends up helping in a lot of ways almost like a uh a tears from the sun tears of the sun scenario so you get like a leading leading person to kind of play the role of of your uh your contractor guy and then uh you know maybe that's the the hollywood in i guess yeah my dream is uh mark Wahlberg. my dream is mark Wahlberg. i think he'd be great played dave yeah yeah, I keep seeing him. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure The Rock would do it. You know, he'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I love The Rock. I think he's a little too big to, to play David, but yeah. David's Nobody great. knows, you know. They show the real pictures at the end. You're like, oh, really? Wow. Guy's like three, like five foot six, 120 pounds. No, I know he's not that, but no. Those guys, you know, believe it or not, David would always say he's like, because the, the the muscle guys they show up here and they think they can keep up and they can't. It's, it's those guys. 
you can't keep up. The guys that, 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 uh, I mean, you, you gotta be in such great shape, man. I mean, just incredible shape to keep up with them. It's, it's, it's intense. There's probably not a lot of fun parts about the trip. Of course, there's some, you know, great experiences close to heart. Let's talk about the, the overall culture. Um, you, you miss cheeseburgers. What did you eat there? A lot of rice and sometimes mystery meat. Um, sometimes the food was really good. You know, you'd stop in a village. Hey man, it's farm to table. <laughs> you know, they, right. they go out in the jungle and they pick stuff and whatever's growing, whatever's in season, they come back and, and, you know, becomes part of the stew with the rice and whatever it is. Um, is there anything that you had that you may not have known what it was or you, or you knew what it was? You're like, wow, this is, this is, uh, I'm going to miss this, whatever this is. And I don't, uh, I don't mean uh, to make it sound like everything's disgusting. I love rice. I can eat rice forever, but you know, the mystery meat and stuff like that. I mean, good food is good food. Yeah. It's funny. I, I was not a big rice fan before I left. And, uh, you know, just by virtue of the fact that you got to eat what you got to eat, man. Uh, I, I became a rice fan. And since I've come back, I eat rice. <laughs> I was like, I'm happy eating rice with every meal. It's strange. Um, I also grew up in Hawaii and rice is a big staple there too. So that's right. It's just been, it, I just eventually I had to accept it and I have, I've embraced rice. Um, but yeah, they're, they, uh, I don't know if I should tell this story. Um, there's already a, led into it. Yeah, I know. Well, you can get creative with it. Look, man, it's a, you're in a third world country, so yep. you gotta let go of all your preconceptions and your ideas and you gotta understand these people grew without grew up without in a different part of the world. Uh, PETA is not over there. So right. sometimes you eat whatever you can catch. And there are still a lot of dogs running around sometimes. Mm. Uh, and, you know, um, kind of wild though. Right. Yeah. They all, they're, they're all kind of the same breed, you know, there's not yeah. like breed dogs. <laughs> The like the Mexican guy. street dogs, they have like the super weird look and yeah. they're all kind of the same. Yeah, exactly. So one night, one night I got to camp, uh, it was late in the evening, hadn't eaten anything yet. And one of the volunteers, uh, great, great guy comes walking up to me. He goes, Noah, guess what's for dinner? And I'm like, what? And he goes, it'll be staring back at you if you open the lid. And and it was, and I'm like, okay, I'm passing on dinner tonight. And, uh, he goes, he goes, I'm going to be honest with you. I've had some, and I'm like, yeah. And he goes, he goes, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, I said, I, I believe you, but no, thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, uh, I said, you know, you camp is you set up a hammock and you set up your tarp over your hammock because it rains every night, just about, mm -hmm. um, that's where you sleep, man. And that's where I slept. And that's actually a luxury too, because most of the time, if you are sleeping in a hut, you're just sleeping on a hard bamboo. So anyway, set up my camp, set up my hammock. And I was about to call and I engage. I said his name. Great guy. Comes walking up to me with a shish kebab. He's like, are you sure? And I go, uh, yeah, man. I said, get that thing away from me. He goes, I guess I'm barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> Dude. Uh, vehicles. I believe you had uh, uploaded a 
a video where you guys were driving in a truck with no windshield. Uh-huh. Maybe you were taking fire. I don't remember. It was a while ago. Is that uh, is most transportation like little scooters and, and small like motorcycles or they just got like in anything miscellaneous? Um, so, yeah, in. Uh, this is the automotive it, portion of this conversation, you know. Right, 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 right. Uh, so in some of the more remote areas, they just started using motorcycles to get around. It's dangerous because they obviously motorcycles make a lot of noise and mm-hmm. expose them to any Burma army soldiers that might be in the area. But they have started using uh, motorcycles in some of the remote areas. Um, we had ponies in the first part of the mission okay. and walked everywhere, um, everywhere. Uh, but in the second mission, Karini, they've got trucks. They've got Toyota Helix trucks. And um, they had also stolen, uh, which they're really proud of, a Burma Army truck, which had the windshield shattered. And mm. you know what kind of gunfight that thing was in. And it was not it was not safe at all, man. It was the funniest thing. And we would motor around on like, it, 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 let me just tell you this. From the moment I showed up in Burma, the very moment, to the moment I left, there was not one comfortable minute that I had. Everything was like, you just didn't know what was going to happen. It's just like <laughs> anything could happen. And so the, it was a giant Burma army truck and we would load up the Rangers in the back and I would kind of like help take us around the Helix trucks. At least pronounced Helix uh, or Hilux, right? Anyway. I've heard it both ways. I, I read it as uh, Helix, but I had a guest, a four by four guest on that said Hilux. So he's, he probably knows then uh, Hilux trucks. Um, these things can take a pretty bad beating and beating and keep going. And, and we use those. And again, it's, it was scary going because you're taking back roads to get into places, you know, because you want to stay away again from the roads that are occupied by Burma Army. So we're taking these like dirt roads that are all if they've just been rained on, they're just mud and you're sliding right. off the mountain and there's a drop and you're jumping out of the truck because you don't want to go down with the truck. I mean, it, it, it was, <laughs> it was crazy, but yeah. So Toyota, uh, Hilux trucks, um, stolen Burma army truck. And then there were a couple of motorcycles that we had brought, uh, that Peter Eubank, David's son, who's 16, at the, who's 16 at the time would ride on and he had his monkey. Uh, Winnie hmm. that would hang on to him and he would drive behind the trucks when we would go from place to place. Um, yeah, that was our transportation. No, I appreciate you uh, sharing that with me. I've been very curious since you got back. I'm like, oh, is this a good time? Is this a good time? I know he's busy. He's going through a lot of stuff. Is this a good time? So as always, you know, thank you for uh, being willing to be a part of this. Uh, will you be joining us on Wednesday anytime soon? Yeah, you know, I'll try to pop on when I can. Uh, um, you guys are awesome. And yeah, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for uh, asking questions about Burma. I mean, any news that can be, that I can get out. I'm writing an article right now about my experience over there that I plan. I don't know. If, can you hear my dog snoring? I heard something just now, but that's, was that, that was, I mean, it could have been a chair moving for all I know. <laughs> Dog's so bored. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm writing an article right now that uh, is about my experience over there and the TV series and, and potential movie that's going to come out about it. Hopefully, we'll shed a little bit more light on what's going on 
over there. But yeah, any opportunity I have to talk about it, I, I jump at. So I appreciate you inviting me to come on and I appreciate your questions. They're great questions. And I hope that you're I don't have, Hey, I didn't have any of them written down, man. I'm just like, God, okay. Okay. Well, you're natural. Some questions. Yeah. You're natural. Yeah. I have one question for you because last yeah. time I tried to get an answer on your NSX, like it's how fast it goes from zero to 16. You're kind of, kind of evaded it. So I'm, I'm wondering what, what, I don't what know. Is it? you don't know on the new car. Yeah. It's, um, it's like sub two, it's sub threes. I don't know. Uh, I, I haven't timed it myself, but some publications will say like two, nine, two, eight. Some publications will say three, three, one, but I, I feel comfortable saying it's a sub three second. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I thought it was, Hey, next time I come to Gilbert, um, you know, there's a lot of new houses here. If you're looking for a place to relocate, Gilbert, Arizona, man, it's where it's at. Too hot for me. You've but you know who's that. down there? You know who's in your area is Gage, the guy I was with last year. In fact, I think oh, no he's, kidding. Yeah, I think he's getting married this week. He's in, I think he's in either Mesa or Gilbert. He might be in Gilbert, actually. Okay. Yeah. So the next time I'm down there, I'll uh, I'll hit you up if you're free. I'd love to grab dinner. Sounds good. Um, is there anything we can do at, you know, people who watch this, listen to this, I say watch because this is on YouTube as well at some point, but what can we do? Or do we just wait for the article and everything to come out and go from there? No, don't wait, man. Just, ed- I, I encourage everyone to educate yourself about what's going on over there and, um, see how you can, you can get involved. I mean, there are places that you can donate money to that can find its way over there to keep these people fed and, and, um, also, it's, there's a lot of kids, you know, that are displaced and put into these camps that need, like, there are teachers there, but they need school supplies and stuff like that. So, you know, m- money does find its way there. It's largely through the, the churches, Catholic Christian, Christian church that's been supporting people over there. Um, so, if you get online, I'm sure you can find some, look up FBR, Free Burma Ranger, you know, donate some money to them. Um, see what you can do to get involved with what they're doing. They're a legit organization and what they're doing over there is incredible. So yeah, man, just get involved if you can um, spread awareness. Thanks Noah. All right, dude. Thank you again, man. Appreciate it. This is the last show of the year. I'm going to start the new year with a classic as well. I think I haven't hundred percent decided, but there will be a new intro. So be listening. The car is going to sound a little different. It's modernized. I want to thank Ray Han and Wright Toyota for WellOnline.com, Social Wireless Services, Patreon Business Porter, Quick Automotive out of Winter Garden, Florida. Been with me since pretty much the beginning. Automotive Specialty Tool out of Owings Mills, Maryland. Bell Construction out of Calorie, Michigan. Beak House Small Home Design out of Ashburg, Virginia, and Traverse City, Michigan. Shipping success with the one and only Wes Tankersley out of Boise, Idaho. If you're a musician out the podcast upgrade, feel free to join the Patreon for as little as three dollars a month to get access to bonus audio as well as show swag. A special shout out to Mark Stoneman, Catherine Cox, Eddie Ramos, Richard Ray's Byron Jones, Bojong, Alex Kumi, Andrew Bunkley, and Yasu Chiba. If you want to email the show, hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at jfinning or at jtravels and join the Hard Parking Violations Facebook group. I can't grow that you tell the world how great the show is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. Again, Merry Christmas. Have a happy new year. And I will talk to you all next year. Finally got around to trying that Arby's Wagyu burger. It was all right. I ain't like the little dressing shit they put on it. Now it's stripping time. Ain't nobody got time for that. Shut up!